Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team it's another beautiful day for baseball in los angeles and baseball podcast josh schaefer and blake harris cover everything dodgers right here on inside the ravine how's it going everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of inside the ravine joining me from the ontario rain headquarters as always my co-host josh schaefer josh how are we doing over there? I know it's uh, been a struggle for you on your end due to a uh, wardrobe malfunction, but uh, we're hanging in there. Yeah, I've got this. I couldn't figure out what polo I wanted to wear underneath my quarter zip today. Had everything else sorted out. But then um, I had this purple shirt that I never wear. The reason why I never wear it is because I only got two buttons. So I decided to just wear it as an undershirt. But the collar is like poking out, man. So I don't know. I, I Every five minutes in the office, I keep going like this just to shorten it out. I mean, this doesn't play very well for a podcast if you're not watching on YouTube. But just imagine me messing with my collar because it keeps sticking out of my quarter zip. A, a, a problem that Josh has to deal with on this Wednesday morning. Yeah, it just... I mean, unacceptable. <laughs> Poor this guy. polo will not be worn again until it absolutely needs to be. So, like, laundry day, which is today, actually, for me. But I have more polos to choose from. I don't know why I chose this one today. All right, so that polo is never going to see the light of day again. But uh, we could talk polos all we want. But, Josh, before we dive into the latest, uh, make sure you guys follow us on social media, whatever app you guys prefer. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Inside the Ravine, or just go to YouTube where you can watch the full episode and watch Josh struggle on the day-to-day basis with this uh, polo that is just not cooperating today. You guys can also listen to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We are on the Odyssey app. We are brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We're also on Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts and every other you know podcast app that's out there as Josh drops something major over there in the Ontario Rain headquarters. <laughs> It's not yeah. a good morning for you, Josh. No, we're just all over the place. Yeah. That's okay. That's Started, okay. It was Bagel Wednesday in the office, though, so I did have a bagel to start my day. So that was good. That was after I drove out here, and I was like, oh, man, I flew. It only took me 30 minutes. And then I looked at the clock, and I was like, it took me like an hour 15 to get here today. I, I did not fly here, but I thought I did, so I guess I'll take that. 
So the real question is, if it's Bagel Wednesday, what what was the bagel? Um, it was uh, they they brought they brought like Panera bagels. Um, so I got the Asiago bagel from Panera, which is solid. The only thing that I don't love about Panera is the cream cheese is like kind of bland. So luckily today they actually had Philadelphia cream cheese with the Panera bagels, pristine, pristine. Yeah, love a good bagel, but the schmear. If you don't have a good schmear, you're it's over. No, exactly. It's over. I, it, yeah, you're right. It's over. All right, Josh. Uh, let's talk some Dodgers baseball. A quick two-game series in the wraps. Uh, the Colorado Rockies, they came to town. Dodgers took care of business. It turns out the sky is not falling after that doomsday episode that we had the other day. The now and that you had the other day. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was more so me. <laughs> I had my Dave Roberts rant. I had my rant on the team. I did an article on my Substack talking about how it's the same old, same old Dodgers. So there were some people that kind of, you know, I, I was talking to that said, yeah, maybe four games into the season, maybe you shouldn't have been all that concerned. But I think it was just, you know, what are you going to do? So, Josh, the Dodgers, they win two. They are now back to 108 win projections, so right back on track. But uh, how are we feeling after seeing the Dodgers uh, put together an actual winning streak? It only took them six games against, you know, two not-so-great teams to get a two-game winning streak going. Well, I mean, Will Smith has just been ridiculous. I mean, I think that that's that's where I'm going to start is we talked about this last year. The fact that this guy wasn't an all-star last year is absurd. And he's already starting to set himself apart from other catchers in the National League offensively. Um, he's just been phenomenal. I mean, every night it seems like he's been the Dodgers' best player, um, and and that's kind of where we're at right now with Will Smith. Um, but again, you know, hitting with runners in scoring position, the Dodgers have done that um, these last two games. Since we, we definitely talked about how in losses they don't hit with runners in scoring position and wins they do. I don't remember the stat the other night. They showed it on the broadcast. In losses, I don't, I don't remember the exact number. In losses, the Dodgers were over with runners in scoring position in the two games against the Diamondbacks. Makes sense. You only scored one run in each game, and they were both solo home runs. So it makes sense. But the Dodgers at the plate over with runners in scoring position in either of those two losses against Arizona. And then on top of that, in the wins, their runners in scoring position mark you know, was unreal. So... That's what we saw in these last two games against the Rockies. That stat I saw was before the series even started. Um, so obviously they've just built on that again. And and they're going to play the D-backs again here coming up in Arizona these next few days. I'm not saying this is like a chance to prove yourself, but on the second run through, again, I mean, you're playing the D-backs so often early in the season, you're going to see a lot of the same pitchers again. It's a chance for the Dodgers to kind of go back in and kind of correct the mistakes that they made against a similar opponent. But you get runners on base, just put the ball in play and see what happens. Two thi- or a couple of things that they just didn't do against the D-backs in the first go. Yeah, I, I think in the two losses against the D-backs, they were like a combined 0 for 14 with runners in scoring position. And in the wins, you know, they were hitting like above 300. So coincidence, you know, I don't think so. And you look at the Dodgers, their first win against the Rockies, they win 13 to four and they go four for nine with runners in scoring position. So 
you know, that's like a 400 plus average. So you hit with runners on Josh, you're going to score a lot of runs and you're going to win games. That's something we talked about last year. We talked about it after this weekend series where the pitching is going to be there for the Dodgers every game. There may be one game where the pitching allows five, six runs, but for the most part, the pitching is going to hold things in check and the offense just has to do their job. But I want to start with uh, this 13 to four game, because if you look at the box score, you're thinking, man, 13 to four, the Dodgers did what they needed to do. They took care of business. But this game early on, it, it looked like the Dodgers were going to really be struggling. They were down 4-2 to two in the fifth inning. And then in the fifth, seven consecutive runs with two outs. Now, obviously, you're not going to be scoring seven runs an inning a lot this season. But I think the beauty is, Josh, in that fifth inning against you know a couple of Rockies pitchers, we saw what this Dodgers lineup is capable of doing. And my personal favorite part, it wasn't like it was a grand slam and then a three-run home run people were passing the baton they were going down the line guys were drawing walks guys were getting rbi singles obviously jason hayward had that massive home run but that's what i want to see out of the dodgers i i don't want to i mean i'll, I'll take the home runs but i want to see with a guy on second base just get a single bring him in you got two runners on, draw a walk, you know, pass pass it down to the next guy. And that's what the Dodgers did in that inning. And it kind of carried over for the rest of this, you know, two-game series. Yeah, and, and that's important, right? And and we talked about that. It's like continuing that rally. It's it's putting the ball in play with runners in scoring position. And and the Dodgers did that the other day. And the game, the the entire outlook of the game changed very, very quickly, where it went from being down going into the fifth inning to – you know, being up nine to four, and then the game was out of hand. So um, that that kind of consistent hitting, that kind of, you know, streaky hitting, let's say just on the positive side of a streak, but getting everybody going kind of at the same time, continuing to, to get hits with runners in scoring position and passing the baton to the next guy, I think is super important. And that, and that there was a question that I asked a couple of our friends back in college, I forget if I ask you, but we're sitting at a game. Uh, it's probably D backs and somebody in the NL West. I know it wasn't the Dodgers. And I just remember saying like, would you guys rather like see your team hit a home run to score a run? Or would you rather see it build? Would you rather see a base hit, a base hit, a double, a double, and like bring in the runs that way? And they were like, I'd rather see the home run. It's like the most exciting play in the game. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. It is. But at the same time, like, I think it's a sign of a good team that can that can continue to weather the storm too and continue to build a little bit offensively. And that's what the Dodgers really did these last couple of games. And yeah, they hit their timely home runs. They always hit their timely home runs. They've been one of those teams, you know, ever since what 2017 where they led Major League Baseball in home runs and they were one of the most home run reliant teams in baseball. And I think hitting your home runs is great but also kind of getting away from the home run um from being the most home run reliant team in the game, I think is really important too. And that's, that's kind of what they've done these last two. And it started in the game against the Rockies uh, on Monday. Yeah. I, I just had to look up the stats because it feels like the Dodgers have been hitting a lot of home runs. And that's the case because currently they lead all of baseball with 13 home runs, which entering the season based on the guys they lost. I mean, obviously we're what six games in, so not a large enough sample size, I wasn't expecting the Dodgers to be this home run heavy of a team. Uh, one final thing to uh, add on this game before we move on to the next game, and that's the fact that Michael Grove 
got absolutely screwed by the home plate umpire so bad. Josh, I don't know if you had a game, if you might have missed this, but essentially Michael Grove, you look at his box score and you see three earned runs in four innings, and now his ERA on the season is 6.75. The dude was cruising through four innings. I think he allowed like one base hit. He was looking fantastic. He allowed a walk to start the fifth. And then on a 3-2 count, he threw what should have been strike three, Clearly a strike, it was in the box, the umpire calls it ball four, the runner was stealing at first, and the Dodgers just hosed him out, so this should have been a quick double play, two outs, nobody on, Michael Grove likely gets out of that inning, probably goes into the sixth inning because his pitch count was low, instead, there's runners on first and second, then Max Muncy has a ball get under his glove, and it just hits the fan, so his final line, again, four innings, three runs, his ear raised at 6.75, but I thought Michael Grove looked really good for the Dodgers. It just robo-ums, Josh. We need the robot umps because this game last night especially, oh my. I, I don't know if the ump had money on the over or on the under, if he was freezing cold and he wanted to get out, if he wanted to beat the traffic getting out of that parking lot. There was probably four or five calls that just shafted the Dodgers in the bottom of the eighth last night. So, I mean, again, Michael Grove, I feel for him because his numbers take a significant hit, but I thought for being the Dodgers, technically their number seven starter, uh, I thought he looked really solid. And it looks like Tony Gonsolin, Ryan Pepio, there's no real update on when they're going to return. So if he's able to give the Dodgers a couple more starts like that, uh, I think they're going to be in a really good position. But I wanted to give him some credit because, again, the box score does no justice for Michael Grove which is unfortunate, yeah, which yeah. is why we're here, to bring the justice that is deserved to Michael Grove. Exactly. That's our that's our role today. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if the Dodgers can keep getting outings like that from him, and obviously, you know, if the offense doesn't go off that next inning, then who knows how that game turns out and what the outlook is for Michael Grove. But again, you're, you're right. You know, four really solid innings. The fifth is when it kind of started to unravel a little bit, and not all of that is on him. Um, so... You know, I, I think that that's an important thing to look at, too, is what those first couple of innings look like. And, and man, like, you know, if you're looking at Michael Grove and you're like, all right, well, once Gonsolin comes back, once Pepio comes back, does Grove kind of move out of that starting role? Yeah, like, what role does he have after that? Is he in the bullpen? Does he get sent down? Whatever. But really, for me, it's like, if you can get four innings from him like you did the other day, regardless of whether or not he goes into the fifth or not, I think that's what you want right? If you can get those four innings consistently from him while he's in his current starting role, then I don't think you could ask for much more. At that point, you got your four innings. You got, I'm not going to call this the actual stat because the stat is a little bit confusing, but in a blanket statement, you get a quality start from him. Then at that point, I think it's up to the bullpen and the offense to really get the game going a little bit. Because I think if you get four innings out of him, he's done his part. Yeah, I completely agree, and Dodgers will take more outings like that. Uh, moving on then to last night's game, uh, Josh, I don't know about you, we talked about Julio Urias, the fact that he seems to be disrespected by, you know, Cy Young voters, baseball fans as a whole. It's kind of getting to the point now where he's so good, I feel like he might be kind of underrated now in my eyes, because last night, six scoreless innings, six strikeouts, no walks, a dominant start, and it kind of just... I'm so accustomed to it, I, it didn't even phase me. I was like, oh, another Julio start last night. But he is so good. I mean, this season, 
12 innings, 12 strikeouts, no walks. His ERA is 1.50. He's 2-0. Like, it's unreal at how good of a pitcher he is, where now you just come to expect, like, oh, six scoreless innings? Okay. Solid, yeah. solid Julio. Yeah, I mean, he's terrific. I mean, I mean, it's been the same thing two games in a row for him. Um, you know, the only blemish, of course, the other day was the two runs in the first two innings against the D-backs, one in each, and that was it. I mean, and then he shut the door after that, and there was no blemish the other day. You know, five hits, fine, but six strikeouts, no walks, no runs, and he ends the day 2-0 and and with an ERA at 1-5. So, um, yeah, he, he continues to be awesome, and I think that that's something we're going to see consistently from him for the rest of the year um and if we do i mean there's no reason why he's not in the cy young conversation there's no reason he's not an all-star um because again i you know no disrespect to clayton kershaw i mean kershaw's the franchise player kershaw's my favorite dodger you know um but no disrespect to him or walker bueller or any of the other guys in the organization but julio Urias is the dodgers best pitcher and he is right now he was last year and maybe he will be in the future who knows? But right now, he is without a doubt the Dodgers' best pitcher and one of the Dodgers' best assets overall. Because every time he pitches, not only are you going to get that type of performance, but more importantly, you're probably going to win. So unless the offense is is really letting you down, like we saw a few times last year with Julio, then you know there's no reason why a Julio start should not be an expected win for the Dodgers. Yeah, it pretty much feels like as long as the Dodgers score four runs anytime Julio starts he'll pick up the victory because that's just how efficient he is bullpen they did their job but things got a little interesting at the end with Phil Bickford he came in with a five run lead in the ninth he had to get pulled Evan Phillips came up I can't remember if at any point the tie-in run came to the plate but it looks like the Rockies were on the verge of making things a little more interesting than it should have been Evan Phillips gets the save the Dodgers pull off the two game sweep Josh we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to wrap up the show just going over some names and how they've performed in the first six games and we're just going to be sharing our thoughts on whether or not we should be concerned or whether or not we should let it slide and give the Dodgers a little more time before we really judge All right, we are back, Josh. We're going to wrap up the show going over a few names on the Dodgers, talking about the first week of the season as a whole, how they performed, and overall where we're feeling, you know, on their performances so far. The first name I got to mention, though, and this is uh, a name that you briefly mentioned at the beginning of the show, but I wanted to save him for this portion, and that is Will Smith, who not only is making his case as the best catcher in all of baseball, He's making his case as the best player in all of baseball because through the first week of the season, he's hitting 421, OPS of 1478, OPS plus of 278, three homers, 10 RBIs, two doubles. I, I believe among qualified players, I looked this up last night, he was third in OPS, second in home runs, and tied for the league lead in RBI. So again, it's been one week, Josh. But Will Smith looks like the best hitter on the planet right now. Yeah, he does. And and to add on to that, he's tied for second in the league in hits. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, he just continues to just drill the baseball. But tied for second in the league in hits, he's tied for the lead on RBIs. You know, he's got a couple of walks to go along with it. Um, he, yeah, I mean, right now, I it, it just 
every time he does something, I just think like, this guy wasn't an all-star last year? Like how? Because he did this all last year too. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's because he's a boring name. He's, I, I don't know why, but I just feel like, sure, it's been six games, but like nobody's talking about him at all. He's hitting 421 through six games with a, a bunch of bombs, second in the league in RBIs, second in the league in hits. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, who cares if he's an all-star or not? Like, He's the Dodgers' best player right now, and he's one of the best players in baseball. And I, I think that's something that we can continue to see throughout the season too because he's been that consistent kind of player in the past, especially um, at the plate. And then he's just continued to get better defensively too because obviously there was a conversation a couple of years ago where is he one of the better hitting catchers in baseball? Yes. But, you know, if you needed a catcher to start a game and you wanted, you know, somebody in your starting lineup defensively, you'd probably take Austin Barnes. And right now I think that Will Smith is the guy. And Austin Barnes is great defensively. Obviously, he's more of a timely hitter than he is a consistent hitter, unlike Will Smith. But, yeah, I mean, Will Smith is right now the best player on the team, one of the best catchers in baseball, and one of the best players in the league right now. And uh, I'm interested to see kind of how that continues throughout the season and if he gets more recognition. Yeah, I think he has a home run in three straight games. First time he's done that in his career. And I like that you mentioned, Josh, that he's kind of boring because a lot of baseball fans kind of just whatever. I forget what the exact quote was last night when I was there, but uh, following the game, I think someone asked Dave, they were like, so is Will Smith kind of as boring as he appears in the clubhouse? And Dave was like, yes. Like Will Smith is, maybe it was like, does Will Smith have any fun? And Dave was like, no. This is just how he is. He's always serious. He's that's his personality. So, hey, maybe he needs to start pimping home runs and you know screaming at people. Maybe that'll get baseball fans to realize just how good he is. Just yeah, a few I mean, other you names. At, you look at the guys that like. I mean, this we could have a whole conversation about this, but like you look at the guys who are big names in baseball and who you know fans love or hate. Like, I'm sorry, I haven't heard this. Who not a Dodger fan loves Will Smith and who hates Will Smith? Like. Somebody answer that question for me. And like, but you look at other polarizing players in the league who, you know, are not considered boring. And I mean, Tatis, Machado, Alec Manoa right now, like Tim Anderson, like these are all guys who are just outspoken players who are fun and have something to say. So people either love them or hate them. So, and that's nothing like Mike Trout's the best player in the game. Right. And I don't know of anybody who hates Mike Trout because he's given no reason to, but also Mike Trout's kind of boring. He's just really good at baseball and way better than everybody else. And that's kind of the name of the game for him. And right now that's the name of the game for Will Smith. He just shows up and he just hits balls and he is reliable defensively and he's the Dodgers best player. Again, even, kind of last, even last night he talked to the media and they were like, yeah, if you keep having games like this, you have to, you know, keep doing these media scrums. How does that make you feel? And he was like, I mean, I guess, whatever. <laughs> and everyone was like laughing. And he's like, okay. So Will Smith, that just goes to show. A few other names I just want to throw out, Josh, that are having typical seasons, as you would expect. Mookie Betts hitting 300, OPS of 990, OPS plus of 161. Insane numbers, but it feels like he's been kind of quiet to start the season. I think it's because he only has one home run, has only driven in one run. But the fact that he has an OPS of about 1,000, and it feels like he's being kind of quiet 
just goes to show how good of a player Mookie Betts has been. And another one as well, Freddie Freeman. It kind of feels like he's had a little quiet of a start to the season, but he's sitting 381, OPS 947, OPS plus 156. So the Dodgers two superstars, they're doing everything that they need to do. Obviously, James Outman, we've talked about him. He's off to a strong start. OPS of 1259, OPS plus of 226. But a name that I want to mention, Josh, actually there, there is two, but there's one that I don't think we've really talked about at all at any point this offseason just because we didn't really see that much. And that is Jason Hayward, who out of nowhere has come out and absolutely, I mean, he is, when I say hitting the crap out of the ball, Josh, that's what he's doing. He had a home run last night that was 113 miles an hour off the bat. That is the second hardest hit ball of his entire career. And this is a guy that is in, what, year 12, 13, who many thought was washed. Hit the second hardest ball of his career last night. And also, Josh, that was harder than any ball the Dodgers hit in all of 2022. <laughs> Jason Hayward, that's the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's only played in four games and he only has nine at-bats. But he's just hammering the baseball. He has He's three hits. He's three for nine. And... Two of his hits are home runs that were just scorching off the bat. Absolutely obliterated. And good for him, you know, revival season. He almost killed Mookie last night, but that's okay. Um, yeah, can we make sure that does not happen again? <laughs> like, I, I'm watching this from the press box. I see this pop fly. I'm watching Mookie. He's, like, heading out there. He's moving fairly quickly. Hayward's coming. I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no. And then you see Jason Hayward start to slide. And then Mookie tumbles over him, and I'm just like, it's over. And then Mookie's just laying on the ground. He's, like, hitting the grass, and I'm like, well, there goes the season. Six games in. But he's fine. He said he just, like, kind of hurt his ankle a little. So, yeah, thank God. But anyway, Jason yeah. Hayward. Yeah, but it's nice because, like, he's, like, really easy to root for, too. So so it's great to see him hitting the ball. And kind of on that same point, and we talk about James Outman. <laughs> James Outman is... Four for 14. So he's hitting 286. You already mentioned the OPS plus at like 1259, 1260. So of his four hits, two of them are triples and one was a bomb. So he's got three extra base hits out of his four. That's where all of his RBIs are coming from, are just those three hits. And he's looked good and he's been reliable. He's fun. I just, again, I sit there and I think, and I mentioned this last show, but Really? We didn't want to give this guy postseason ABs last year? Like, could have used him. Really could have used him. And now, I mean, he's earned his spot. And I know it's only six games in. Oh, I just dropped my mic. It just came right off my shirt. Sorry about that. We're wearing a little lavalier mic today. Sorry about that. Um, but, you know, we said this last year where – or we said this a couple episodes ago where, you know, last year he was great when he came up. He was good in spring training. And then, obviously, he's been good to start the season. But – I feel like in the offseason, I wasn't sitting here thinking, like, he's going to be the Dodgers' everyday center fielder. Like, he's going to be around all year. And now I'm sitting here thinking, like, it's him and Trace in the outfield. That's it. Like, those are the two guys. And he's going to be here all year. And, you know, I hope he sticks because so far he's deserved it and so far he's been awesome. Yeah. And so is Jason Hayward. Yeah, Alvin looks great, Hayward looks great, and, you know, we heard all spring about this revamped Jason Hayward swing, and it was kind of like, okay, revamped swing, we'll believe it when we see it, 
I've and heard that with so far, four times. It so far looks legit because also Josh, even last night, I think Jason Hayward had a ground out that was like 106 miles per hour off the bat. And they yeah. had another out that was like 99 miles. So he's again, he's smoking the ball. He looks great. If he's good, it just gives the Dodgers another option to have. Also, one final shout out I want to give is to Miguel Vargas, who he got hit by a pitch in the thumb. Luckily, he avoided worst case scenario. Looks like he's just going to be out a couple of games. But on base percentage as of right now, Josh, I don't know if you've seen what the updated one is, but would you like to take a crack as to what his current on base percentage is after five games? Unless you already looked at it right in front of you. I mean, I know what it is. Uh, All right. Then uh, let's just uh, have the viewers guess. Uh, Everybody guess. All right. Okay, cool. Good guesses. All right. Whatever your guess is, whatever your guess is, it's probably wrong because it's not high enough because his on base percentage is 722, which is (laughs) absolutely insane. If he keeps this up, Josh, there needs to be a conversation of moving him to like the leadoff spot or the number two spot because if he continues to get on base at this clip, you need to have him in front of Mookie, in front of Freddie, in front of Will, in front of Will Smith. So again, it's five games. He has eighteen plate appearances, but an on base percentage of seven twenty two, and he's also hitting the ball like he's hitting three seventy five. He's not just drawing walks. So Miguel Vargas has looked really, really good. But Josh, well, yeah, he's only, games, he, doesn't, he doesn't qualify for, for batting average or any of the Dodger stats, even through only six games, and he's played in five. Like he doesn't qualify for any of those. Because yeah. he's walked nine times. Like you said, he's got 19 a, uh, at plate appearances. Only eight of those have been at-bats because he's walked nine <laughs> times. Like, he's only hitting three for eight. Like, Which is <laughs> I think he one. leads baseball. I think he leads baseball in walks, but he doesn't qualify for the leaderboards because he doesn't have enough at-bats. Yeah. Because he's walking so yeah. frequently. <laughs> Hey, maybe that stretch in spring, Josh, when they told him not to swing a bat for two weeks, maybe by him just seeing all those pitches, it just turned him into Barry Bonds with an eye at the plate. Yeah. I I can't wait until it's like August and Miguel Vargas has an on-base percentage of like 500 and his numbers are insane, but he still doesn't qualify for the leaderboards because he has (laughs) so many walks, so he doesn't have the at-bats to qualify. Um, So we'll see that. Uh, Just uh, Josh, I want to throw a few names by you just to hear your level of concern with them so far. Because, again, we talk about these guys having great seasons. It's been six games, so you can't really you know get too hard on some guys because it's also been six games. But the first is Chris Taylor. He was a guy that was awful this spring. We talked about him a couple times. Had that home run the other night in which, you know, you think to yourself, is this it? Is this the turning point? But he's been horrible this year. He's one for 14, um, doesn't have a single walk. And really, his only production has been that home run. Has five strikeouts in his 15 plate appearances, so he's striking out one-third of the time. How much longer do we you know, keep giving Chris Taylor these opportunities? Because last year he was bad, in spring he was bad, and so far this season he's been the worst hitter on the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, he has. Um, I'm definitely concerned there. The five strikeouts in 14 ABs is not as bad as I think it could be but he's just simply not getting the job done. And I think that the Dodgers might eventually be forced to do something about it um, if it continues. But again, he's just so versatile defensively. Um, and, and you can kind of put him wherever you need somebody. And I think that that's his biggest attribute right now. But the Dodgers need him to start swinging the bat better. 
Yeah, he's been playing shortstop the last few days, filling in for Miguel Rojas, who has kind of a, a bit of a groin injury. But yeah, Josh, anytime your OPS plus is in the negative, it's not usually uh not usually a good thing. Um so hopefully he's able to turn things around. One other name I, I did want to mention, and it's kind of a tough one because he has at least shown glimpses, and that's JD Martinez. I mean, he's hitting 217, OPS plus of 86. Had that home run the other night at the game you were at, I think. Had a pretty solid performance a few nights ago when, you know, he just missed a grand slam, but then he brought in two at the run, hit a double later. But outside of those three at-bats, I, I I just haven't been that encouraged with him. He has 10 strikeouts in his 25 plate appearances, so he's striking out nearly half the time, and it just seems like he's really late on pitches. Seems like he can't hit a fastball. And again, it just sounds like you might get an occasional really solid hit, but outside of that, I don't know. For a guy that's going to be in your lineup every day as the DH, where he's not even bringing anything defensively, like what you just said, at least Chris Taylor is able to play left field, play center field, play shortstop. JD's only given you a DH spot, so I don't know. I've just been a little worried. And again, he's another player that really had a disappointing spring as well. Yeah, yeah, he has. Um, I, I'm... Here's a phrase that I like to use all the time. I'm pumping the brakes a little bit because there are those encouraging signs. And right now with Chris Taylor, other than the one home run, I feel like I feel like that one home run, and it got out fast, man. I mean, he smoked that ball. But for me, that's not a you know a big enough positive for me yet. Max Muncie, 20 ABs leading the team with 11 strikeouts. Like, I haven't seen those positives yet for Muncie. Finally got a hold of one last night, and that's great, and he hit it out. It was a bomb. Good. But, like, that's not a positive enough for me yet. For for J.D., I think we've – he obviously hasn't been very consistent, and he has struck out a lot, and he's been behind on some pitches. But I'm, I'm just seeing – for me personally, I feel like I'm seeing a little bit more from J.D. And, again, the fact that he only has to rely on being the D.H., right now I think is a positive where, and I don't think that's going to hurt him yet, but it could, but, but I'm not, I'm not super worried yet because we're only a few games in. I just think he, he's one. And I'm sorry, maybe this is like skewed, but in my opinion, it's only been six games for JD Martinez. I look at Muncie and Taylor and I'm thinking, guys, it's been six games and you've got 11 strikeouts. Like, that's uh, that's kind of how I'm looking at Muncie and Taylor right now. For whatever reason, I don't feel that way about JD yet, and I just feel like the contact he's had on the ball here and there and a couple of the big hits that he has had are just a little bit more encouraging for me, personally. Yeah, and I, I totally get that as well because he has had more encouraging at-bats, whereas you look at Max Muncie, you know, he's hitting 150, OPS plus of 49. His, his one really encouraging at-bat was last night when he hit the home yeah. run. Outside of that, there's been nothing that's really gotten you going. So, uh, again, six games a week from right now, Josh. They have 12 games under their belt. All these numbers can be completely skewed. They can be completely different. Um, I also just want to say, David Peralta, he's been fine. But I don't know about you, Josh. He just does nothing for me. Like, Jason Hayward excites me a little because of the potential of what can he bring. Trace Thompson, you know, we saw it last year, we saw it this year. James Outman, it's like, the what what can those guys bring? David Peralta, I feel like the Dodgers are just going to get a lot of singles out of him. And that's really going to be it. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but David Peralta, I just, I don't get excited. 
Yeah, I don't know. He's been fine. Like sitting two fifty. He's, he's three for. That's 12. the thing too. Yeah, he's he's hitting two fifty, like you said, three for twelve, which he'll take. He'll take him hitting two fifty. But I think all three of, are are all three of those hit singles. I think they are. Yeah, hence all why three hit, of them are hence why his slugging is also two fifty as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all singles. He's only struck out once. Yeah, um, which is he's fine. Only walked once, so like he's he's hit he's hitting the ball, whether they are base hits or not. Three of yeah. them are, but but yeah, I mean, you know, he's not striking out, so he's he, he's fine for me. I think that that's yeah. kind of the player they expected. They, they weren't expecting him to go back to that All Star season, but um, yeah, I mean, he he's fine. And, and again, he's another one where I'm like, it's early. Let's let's see what you can get out of him as the season rolls on. Yeah, again, that that's what that's what I kind of meant. Where it was Peralta just he's fine, he's fine. I'm fine with him. But uh, Josh, before we wrap things up, any uh any other players that you quickly want to? Uh, I think we pretty much hit everyone. I just wanted to see if there was anyone you quickly wanted to touch on before we wrapped up. You know, I will say when it comes to the pitching staff, um, last night, Evan Phillips, um, he came in and I know that it was scary for a moment, but again, like Evan Phillips playing the fireman role has worked. And the other day, again, you you brought up a great point, put him in to be the fireman and put out, you know, a bad situation. They came in and faced the bottom of the order and just breezed through it when he probably should have faced the top. I totally get that. But even last night, like, after the start of that inning, I mean, he came out and he shut him down. So I think that's an encouraging sign for me and no surprise that through three games, Evan Phillips has an ERA at zero. So I will, uh, I just wanted to point that out because there was some, you know, we've got a bunch of Dodge fans in our office and a couple of people were uh, not super thrilled with last night's game and thought that even, you know, Phillips's start. Um, and that inning was a little shaky after he came in for Bickford. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm encouraged by it, to be completely honest with you. So I just figured I'd bring that up. Yeah, he's been fantastic, but what else is new? So yeah. he, he's looked good. Dodger bullpen, for the most part, looked good outside of a few blemishes. But that does wrap up this week's edition of Inside the Ravine. Again, make sure to, guys, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Inside the Ravine, and on YouTube. Josh, potentially next week, we might be doing something on our Twitter account for the first time. We might be doing a live Twitter spaces. So if you guys want to uh, you know, join that next week, follow us on Twitter. Find out what date exactly we're doing it, what game. We'll be going live, talking about the Dodgers during their game, bringing on fans to ask questions and just shoot it for, you know, a couple hours. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter at Inside the Ravine and also listen to Inside the Ravine wherever you guys get your podcast, Odyssey, Spotify, Apple, all those kind of things. Josh, any parting words before you uh, go throw that uh, polo out in the garbage bin behind the uh, Ontario Rain headquarters? Blake, I will be in Arizona this week. So, we will be trying to get out to a game. Hopefully, we can find some time. Um, I'm not sure which day we would try to go yet, but we are going to try to to get out to Arizona this weekend um, for a game. Not for the game specifically. Um, we're just going to be visiting, but it lines up with a four-game series on the road against the Diamondbacks. So, we're going to do what we can to get out there. Perfect. Go to uh, a Dodger, another Dodger home game down there in Arizona. And I and I have not been to Chase Field. So obviously I I we don't know if we're going for sure, but I have not been to Chase Field since what season would that have been? The 2019 season yeah. was the last time I was at Chase Field because we were we finished college in 2020 
right in the pandemic. And the last time I would have been was 20, 2019 was the last time I was at Chase Field. So it's been four years, almost, almost four full years. So uh, I'm kind of looking, I, I, I don't know of, any, of many people who say this, but I'm pretty excited to be back at Chase Field. <laughs> Nobody says that ever. <laughs> Nobody. So report back next week, Josh, on the uh, I will. on the uh, percentage of Dodger fans there. I'm going to go and, uh, 65 is my early I, projection. See, well, the problem for the D-backs here is that it is an early season series with them playing at home for like the first time. I'm pretty it's sure. It's their home opener. That's tough because yeah. there's going to be a lot of D-backs, I, D-backs fans, I think, for the first game or two the weekend comes around, I think there's going to be a lot of Dodger fans. Because again, there's a lot of Dodger fans in Arizona already, and it's a relatively short drive. It's like five hours from LA. So you've got people who are like, it's a weekend? Let's go to Arizona. So I think the weekend games, more Dodger fans, weeknights, I'll say, I don't want to say a sellout just because I don't know. That upper level at Chase Field is so mad. It's bigger than the lower level. So I never know how full it ever really gets. But I'll say at least the lower level and half the upper level will be full of D-backs fans for their home opener. But the weekend, there's going to be a lot of blue. I'd love to see it. Report back, Josh. Stay safe there. But again, as always, count them all by hand. Yes. Please do. Please do. And uh, if you see Baxter, Josh, well, I don't have to tell you what you should do to Baxter. Oh, I will find him. And I'm sure he'll be keeping an eye out for me, too. Please do. Yeah. Baxter deserves something i'll i'll just leave it at that so (laughs) as always thank you guys so much for listening we really do appreciate it stay tuned for more episodes and as always enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be